I'd invite you to turn in your copy of scripture to the prophet Micah. We are looking at Micah chapter 5, and if you are having a hard time finding that in your own copy, you'll find that on page 926 in the church Bible. We're looking at Micah chapter 5, and we're going to read just six verses this morning. We're going to focus in especially on verses 2 through 5, but we're looking at Micah chapter 5, verses 1 through 6 this morning. Uh, Micah was a prophet who prophesied at the same time as Isaiah. They were the twin prophets to the southern tribe of Judah, to the southern kingdom, And Micah prophesied at the same time as Hosea prophesied. That might help you to put those things in context. Isaiah and Micah speaking to Judah, speaking to the southern kingdom. Hosea speaking to the northern kingdoms. All of them prophesying about God's judgment to come because of the idolatry of his people. And God had raised up the threat of the Syrians. Assyria would come against The southern kingdom, Ahaz, as we have heard most recently in the last several sermons, was the king at that time, and a very wicked king, a king who had uh, enticed his people to idolatrous practices. And so as God has sent and raised up and sent Isaiah, so he has raised up and sent Micah to prophesy to Israel. And having warned them about the judgment to come, and in that context of the threat of the Assyrians... Micah now writes, Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth to me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, and literally in Hebrew, from everlasting, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. When the Assyrians come into our land and tread in our palaces, then we will raise against him seven shepherds and eight princes of men. They shall shepherd the land of Assyria with the sword and the land of Nimrod at its entrances. And he shall deliver us from the Assyrian when he comes into our land and treads within our border. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God endures Forever. Well, no doubt you all have a favorite Christmas hymn or favorite Christmas hymns. We have just spent the last month in many different services singing all of the great Christmas hymns. And one of the greatest, one of the most beloved and well-known is that one that we have sang, no doubt since we were very little children, O Little Town of Bethlehem. And uh, the author of that hymn, Phillips Brooks, was an Episcopalian minister in the 19th century. He pastored many different churches, one in Boston and most famously Trinity Church in Philadelphia. And in 1865, 
On Christmas Eve, Phillips Brooks was on his first journey in Israel, and he was traveling between Jerusalem and Bethlehem. And as he turned the corner and he looked over and he wrote in his diary about what he saw when he saw the little town of Bethlehem, Phillips Brooks said, Before dark we rode out of town to the field where they say the shepherds saw the star. It is a fenced piece of ground with a cave in it in which, strangely enough, they put the shepherds. Somewhere in those fields we rode through, the shepherds must have been. As we passed, the shepherds were still keeping watch over their flocks, leading them home to the fold. And he was so moved and inspired by what he saw, what he knew was true from Scripture, what he now saw so many years after he had known about those shepherds in those fields, he would write those great words, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight, O little town of Bethlehem. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Um, Horatius Bonar, the great Scottish theologian of a similar era as Phillips Brooks, said this at Bethlehem, our world's history begins at Bethlehem. Now, that ought to be striking to us. And if we had lived in these days, if we had lived in the days in which Micah had prophesied, it would be shocking to us because there was nothing special about Bethlehem. In fact, the only thing that history records for us about this little town is that, is that sheep were raised there, not, not a reputable vocation in Israel's history. In fact, we're told very early on in Scripture that the Egyptians, remember God's people's first great enemies, despised shepherds. They, they had been despised throughout human history. And yet, at that place, and in the fullness of time, Micah says that God would bring forth the one who would be the everlasting ruler of his people, who had no beginning but was from all eternity himself, and that he would come out of that very small and insignificant place. I want us to consider just three very simple things this morning. I want us to consider the place. I want us then to consider the person. And then I want us to consider the peace, the place, the person, and the peace. Um, you know, it's interesting that of all the messianic prophecies, of all that the prophets so long before prophesied, this is the only one that is prophesying of the place in which the Redeemer would be born. And, and that's important because uh, Israel was searching the scriptures. Old Covenant Israel was looking intently. And even those who didn't believe knew that the Redeemer was going to come out of Bethlehem. We see this in Matthew chapter 2 when the wise men come to Herod and they inquire. And Herod asks, where is he to be born who is going to be king of the Jews? And the unbelieving scribes? The, the teachers, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they all said in Bethlehem. They, they had an understanding that what Micah was saying is that the Savior is going to come, the King of Israel is going to come out of Bethlehem. Now, you will no doubt already remember that Bethlehem was significant for one thing in redemptive history— and that is that King David came out of Bethlehem. We read about that this morning. Jesse was a Bethlehemite. David was a shepherd in Bethlehem. 
And before him, his great-grandfather, Boaz, was a, a harvest worker, a field owner in Bethlehem. And what's important about that in redemptive history that you probably don't know is that David's great-grandfather, Boaz, I'm sorry, Boaz, uh, in Bethlehem, uh, came forth as a kinsman redeemer in the darkest period of the judges. It was, it was at the darkest point when Israel was in its greatest rebellion that God raised up Boaz to be the kinsman redeemer of Ruth and then to prepare the way for God's anointed king who would be a shepherd who came out of Bethlehem and so Bethlehem has appropriately been called the city of David. But as I noted, uh, and before David was anointed king, he was the least of the sons of Jesse. And this town is the least of the towns in Israel. And it is only known for shepherds. And there is something, and don't miss this this morning, there is something counterintuitive, something counterintuitive about the way in which God brings the Redeemer into the world. He's not born in Rome. He's not born in Greece. He's not born in any of the world's centers of power and influence and status. He's not even born in Jerusalem, the city of the great king. He's going to come, Micah says, You, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are least among the clans of Judah, uh, my wife and I now drive when we go to Augusta to visit her family through very small towns. I want you to think about Bethlehem being something like Allendale. The Redeemer's going to come out of Allendale. All the South Carolinians get what I'm saying. That doesn't make sense. The Redeemer's going to come out of Bethlehem does not make sense. It's counterintuitive, but everything... Everything about what God is doing in the Redeemer is counterintuitive. Listen to this. The one who dwelt in inexpressible light with his Father and Spirit from all eternity left that eternal glory to become a man in the womb of a young, poor Jewish virgin. He who sits enthroned in the heavens was laid in an animal feeding trough. He who brought the stars into existence, calling each one by name, went nameless the first week of his life. I didn't even name him until he was circumcised. The one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills was born to a mother so poor that she didn't even have enough to pay the proper sacrifice for his consecration. The infinitely holy one on the eighth day received the covenant sign that said he needed a bloody judgment to cleanse sinful corruption and impurity as the substitutionary sin bearer, though he knew no sin. He who was the long-awaited king of Israel was welcomed only by a handful of despised shepherds and traveling Gentiles at his birth. The one who rules and reigns as the king of kings was not born in Rome, Greece, or Jerusalem, but in the small and insignificant town of Bethlehem. Every single thing about the coming of Christ is counterintuitive. Now, what's the point of that? The point of that is that God is always going to do things differently than you would do things. The Lord always does things unexpectedly, things that seem insignificant, he makes the most significant. 
things that seem counterintuitive, he fills with his wisdom. And so we are meant to see the eternal wisdom of God, in a sense, hiding the Redeemer in this despised little town. Now, you will know that um, there is something wonderful about him being born in a town where sheep were raised. And it's not insignificant that when Christ is born and when the angels appear to the shepherds there in Bethlehem, that they proclaim to them where they're going to find him. And they are the first people that, that they make the proclamation that the Redeemer has been born in Bethlehem. And, and that ought to tell us something. Why would God, why would God reveal the birth of Jesus to all the people in Israel, of all the people in Israel, only to despise shepherds. Well, notice that there's a clue. Micah says, you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, from you shall come forth to me one who is to be ruler in Israel. And then he is going. He is going to shepherd his flock. He is going, verse 4, he shall stand and shepherd his flock. In the strength of the Lord. He is intimating what this child is going to be. Who is this child? He is going to be the shepherd of Israel. You know, you may not like to think of yourself this way, but of all the things that you need, you need a shepherd. You need someone who is going to shepherd your soul. You need someone who is going to lead you out to green pastures. Very interesting, David who was himself a shepherd, would have been out in those fields, maybe where those shepherds were when they got the proclamation that Christ had been born in Bethlehem. David would have been in those same fields keeping watch over his flock when he penned those words, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Um... David knew what it was to have the Lord as his shepherd. And you'll remember that Jesus in John 10 makes that great declaration, I am, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. I call my sheep by name and they follow me. If, if you belong to Christ, then you hear his voice as of the good shepherd. Um, he's going to be a king. He's going to be a ruler. Notice verse 2. You, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth to me, the Lord says, one to be ruler in Israel. Um, he is going to be King David's greater son. He's going to be the king of kings. Right now, there is one who is ruling and reigning on the throne of God. He has authority over all nations, kingdoms, and peoples. He draws his own to himself. He subdues his and our enemies by what he does on the cross and what he's doing now in glory. And, and this king becomes our shepherd. We have a king that knows exactly what we need. You know, I know... I know absolutely nothing experiential about shepherding. I've never shepherded. I don't even think I've petted a lamb before. Maybe you have. I know nothing. But one thing I know, the shepherd knows exactly what his sheep need. He intimately cares for them. He knows just 
what they need at just what time they need it. And the Lord Jesus is such a shepherd king of his people. Now, what's interesting, you'll remember that David penned those words in Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Um, there's been one time in human history when Psalm 23 didn't work. I want you to listen carefully. One time when one person couldn't read Psalm 23 and say, the Lord is with me when I go through the valley of the shadow of death and it would not work for him, and that is the Lord Jesus on the cross when he stood in your place and my place for your rebellion and my rebellion. When he went through the valley of the shadow of death, the good shepherd was forsaken, was stricken for the sins of his people, and for one time, Psalm 23 didn't work so that it would work for you. Isn't that awesome? How do I know that when I come to the valley of the shadow of death, and that might be today, that might be tomorrow, that might be 40 years from now, how do I know that it's going to work for me? Because the good shepherd who came out of Bethlehem was stricken for the sins of his people, and it didn't work for him. Psalm 22 worked for him. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that Psalm 23 would work for you. A shepherd will come out of Bethlehem. And then notice, finally, not just the place of Bethlehem, not just the person of this shepherd king, but the reward. Notice the peace. Notice this. Verse 4, he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord is God. They shall dwell secure for now. He shall be great to the ends of the earth and he shall be their peace. There was one thing that Judah and Israel wanted but did not experience and that was peace. Constantly God was raising up enemies to chastise them for their rebellion Constantly, God was setting up a standard against his people. And now he's saying, when I bring this shepherd king out of Bethlehem, I'm going to give what my people have longed for. I'm going to give them what they need more than anything. I'm going to give them my peace. And notice this. He doesn't just say that he'll give peace. Notice verse 5. And he shall be their peace. He shall be their peace. Um, I have often wondered if the Apostle Paul is not reflecting on this. In Ephesians chapter 2, when he's talking about Christ reconciling Jews and Gentiles together through his death on the cross into one new person, and Paul says, he himself is our peace. He himself is our peace. And then in Colossians, he tells us how, how does Jesus become our peace? Because we live in a culture that, that writes things like peace and joy and hope at Christmas time, but don't understand how this happens. And Paul says he has made peace through the blood of his cross. How does he become peace? He washes away the enmity and the hostility, the sin and the rebellion when he sheds his blood on the cross for sinners. And so what Micah is saying to us is this one coming out of Bethlehem, this one who's going to be the shepherd king, who's going to shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, 
is going to protect his people and is going to become their peace. I love this quote, and I'll leave you with this this morning as we reflect on this. Horatius Benar says, At Bethlehem, the fountain of love was opened, and its waters have gushed out in their fullness. The well of David has overflowed the earth. The nations now may drink. The good news has gone forth from the city of David and all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Uh, The question this morning is, have you seen the salvation of God? Have you seen your need for the shepherd king? Have you taken God at his word? By the way, you know, God intentionally gave this prophecy 700 years before Christ came so that you would know that it's not a fable. Because our wicked, unbelieving hearts want to say, this is just a really nice story. And God says, no, I have put my very eternal promises and I have stamped them into the fabric of history so that when I fulfilled all these things in the fullness of time, you would know and be assured that God's everlasting ruler, the one who had no beginning, the one whose goings forth were from eternity, the eternal son, was born to a poor Virgin in Bethlehem to be the shepherd king who would give peace and would open the wells of David so that the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. There's one way for you to know this. You've got to trust him. Only those who trust him can know these things experientially. I hope that you will put your trust in God's everlasting shepherd king from Bethlehem. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you and praise you that you gave us such a clear word about the place in which the Savior would be born. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are that great shepherd king whose goings forth are from of old, even from everlasting. And we pray this morning that you would be our peace, that you would make us to know the peace that you have wrought between God and our sinful souls, that we would know and be assured that you have made peace through the blood of your cross, And Lord Jesus, we pray that you would dispel all unbelief, that you would make us to know that Psalm 23 did not work for you, that it might work for us. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would shepherd our souls to glory. We pray these things in your name. Amen.